0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, folks, good evening, morning, afternoon, whatever time of day that you're listening to this. It's, it's keeping up with the BS. It's back. And we actually have our second special guest star. We have Greg Braggs from Braggs in the Stands. If you're around the Chicago area, Bears superfans, Cubs superfans, you're going to know who this guy is. If you've seen any Justin Fields content on Twitter, know that it's probably from this guy. <laughs> Take action. great videos. I swear. I swear to God. Every time I see like a video, it's got your name on the like bottom of it. Like it's right. in the stands. I'm like, dude, I, I, I know that guy. That's awesome. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> I think the it's first good. Justin Fields, uh, one, uh, that I saw on Twitter was, was from, from a quote tweet from yours. So love me some Justin Fields. So I appreciate your hard work.
2: Yeah. Hey, no problem. You know, I had one day where I was allowed to do video at training camp which was at the family fest at soldier field because they don't technically allow video at house hall Mm -hmm. and so you know i was able to capture some good moments you know obviously his big 50 yard touchdown pass and then him high-fiving the fans as he left and then to start the day him coming out the tunnel with the quarterbacks uh group Mm -hmm. you know it was all cool moments that fans want to see and that's all i'm trying to provide is someone that's there and appreciative that I, have, I live a lucky life. I, you know, have a lot of fun. I work hard, but I play much harder than I work. And uh, so I always just try to share along my experiences. That's what I've always done, mm-hmm. even before it was for a means to an end. When it comes to social media or podcasting or yeah. you know brand enhancement in that regard, I, you know I've always been a guy that had my phone out and tried to capture the moment when I was there. And I used mm-hmm. to just share it with my wife or my friends that didn't care. They'd be like, "Oh, that's great, Greg." I'm like. Why don't you put your yeah. phone away? And then I found that if I shared it on Twitter, you know, because I used to put it on Instagram, but Instagram's a little more private, even if you can't search right. people's stuff. Twitter is, you know, more social in, in the truest of words of social media because you're meeting so many people out there that you've never necessarily met and they can see your stuff, you can see theirs. And when I learned that you put that stuff on there, I found a lot more people out there. Uh, appreciated some of the stuff that I was doing. So I just continue to share and it's kind of grown from there and I just continue to have fun. That's what it's all about. You know, Brags in the stands is just embodies who I am. I'm a guy that loves to go to the games. I love to be in the bleachers at Wrigley. I love to be in the, uh, you know, in the South end zone, North end zone at soldier field. And I love to talk to people while I'm at the games. I interact and have fun. It's it, that's what life's all about for me is, is having fun at sporting events.
0: No, absolutely. I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. That's that's how we got started going too. You know, we we would just talk about sports all day, every day at work. No one would care. So, we're like, you know what? Let's just start a podcast. Everybody said, "Yeah, yeah, we'll listen to you." And you know, here we are, almost a year later. We got started last August, so we're coming up on a one-year anniversary.
2: Same. That's when that's when I start ventured off on my own. So, yep. Congrats to you guys. You know, it's a lot of hard work. You know, doing this kind of stuff and. Um, you know, I've always been very surprised at how many people actually enjoy this stuff, but there's a lot of fans out there that don't live locally that can't see these things or experience them firsthand. Like maybe you or I can do so, you know, that's, that's what it's all about is just trying to share those experiences. And there's, there's fans all over the world that want to hear and see this stuff. So it's humbling and a lot of fun. And that's what keeps me going for sure. Hey, I just want to thank
0: you on behalf of not just cubs fans because i know you post cubs stuff too but bears fans especially i live in orlando florida it costs a lot to get up to chicago into soldier field so i want to say thank you on behalf of all of us for doing what you do sharing all that content because it's been a rough couple weeks but seeing (laughs) seeing my qb oh dude i'm i'm jacked i'm i'm happy
2: and i appreciate that you enjoy it yeah i i I, you know they threw me a curveball in 2018 i I filmed almost every moment at practice and put it on Twitter. Video galore. The players were sharing it along. Anthony Miller, Tariq Cohen, Alan Robinson, all these guys would retweet my content. And they put the kibosh on all that because I guess I was having too much fun with it. And they started restricting, you know, your video allowance at, Hallis Hall or at training camp because they, they they restricted it the last year at Bourbonay and it's kind of you know tongue in cheek a little bit of the Brags rule when you walk on the campus and you see <laughs> nine hundred signs that say absolutely no video allowed it's it's certainly you know a, a you know a head nod to old old Brags in the stands but yeah. you know I'm just trying to provide to the fans what they want to see you know I get there's you know it's a discussion of whether it's more about protecting the playbook or or more about you know, who gets to put the first video out on social media and yeah. I could go all day about that stuff. Cause I think it's more so the latter than it is about protecting the playbook, especially when you consider there's teams live streaming their entire practices. So yeah. you're not really reinventing the wheel when it comes to football. You know, this mm-hmm. is all about fundamentals and stuff like that, but I have enjoyed, you know, I, I, I like a challenge. So if they say no video, then I've been putting captions up with four pictures attached to the, picture, the yeah. caption and then Try to give fans, uh, you know, a visual of what's going on, not just, you know, just the ta- the typed caption, you know, along with it. And that's all. That's all I'm about is just trying to give a visual to what's going on. So that's what I've been doing there. But you say you're from Orlando, but you're originally from the region, right? That's our. I am That's yes, our sir. connection
0: there. Yep, yep. That's how I. That's how I networked with you over Twitter. Speak. Bringing it back to Twitter.
1: Yep. Crown Point. And what's I, cool? I love
2: is, and, you, and you're from Crown Point, correct? Yes, sir. And I graduated from Crown Point in 2004. You know, I'm a loyal, diehard region rat. You know, I love – I'm proud of the fact that I was born and raised in the region. And uh, how about John Veya Johnson to to turn it to the Bears? You know, he's from Gary, Indiana, which I didn't realize until he was on the team. And he's been making a lot of plays with Justin Fields. So – uh we got a little bit of a region connection with the Bears. I'm gonna have to try to get him mm-hmm. on the show sometime, but I, that I gave him a awesome. shout out at practice the other day and uh mm-hmm. I'm certainly rooting like help for him. It sounded like he had another big day today against the, the Dolphins in the joint practice. Oh, yeah, that's right. Today was that joint practice. Mm-hmm. I think so, I think Scott had
0: some some line questions, right?
1: Oh yeah, I, I got I, I got uh, I got some rapid fire uh betting um questions if you're ready for some rapid fire. Uh-oh, uh oh, go ahead and shoot, I'll do my best. Some lines, um seven hundred uh 700.5 yards for the season for Darnell Mooney over under.
2: <laughs> now you're see I on my show, Brags and Stands. I'm the I'm the talker, I'm the I'm the mouthpiece, and my guy Johnny B was my mm-hmm. co host and a good friend of mine, he's the gambling expert. So you should have brought him on for some of these <laughs> rapid fire questions because I'll tell you what, Johnny B makes some serious cash gambling because he's really good at it, but I will do my best to give you my most, uh, you know, uh, my, my, best, uh, my, my my best words here as far as predictions go. Uh, I would put it over, and the problem is you might not want to he- listen to me too much and heed my advice because I am an eternal optimist. I mean, I'm a guy that, would think if you asked me if Tanner Gentry for the Bears a few years ago would get 700 plus, I might say yes, because I'm a guy that just hypes everyone up. But
0: We both went down with the Trubisky train. We both went yeah. down with
2: that. Hey, yep. you know, I go down with all the trains. Amen. That are, anybody that plays for my Chicago sports teams, unless you really piss me off, I'm going to be your <laughs> biggest fan. There you go. So, you know, a guy like Darnell Mooney – certainly has all the capability to surpass 700 yards. And if Mm -hmm. all things go correctly this year and he stays healthy and Justin Fields enters the fold sooner rather than later, you know, it only stands to reason that he will be able to surpass that, you know, this season. Now, granted, you have to consider the fact that there's only one ball and there's only Mm -hmm. so many snaps in a game in a whole season. So you have Allen Robinson, you have Darnell Mooney, you have Marquise Goodwin you know, Demir Bird potentially. And then you've got, you know, on the back end, a guy like Riley Ridley trying to make his his mark. And then we've mentioned John Bayer Johnson or Rodney Adams maybe being on the back end, being more of a special teams focus. But then you also have to consider the fact that you've got Damian Williams that may catch some passes. And you've got, you know, obviously Tariq Cohen when he comes back off the pup list. And then they, you know, Matt Nagy also promised that they're going to get twenty plus carries a game for David Montgomery if he holds to that promise, so. you know, it it may be a close one. These Vegas odd makers aren't stupid for a reason. They're, good. Yeah, they don't They're good.
1: Fair.
2: <laughs> Right. So it's gonna, you know, you know, as much as I want to say eleven hundred yards for Darnell Mooney, it probably will be closer to that seven hundred yards you know, when you consider the fact of all the different talent that's around the team and, and how the offense will potentially do. Now, if Justin Fields comes in week three or four, as I'm trying to predict, and, and not week eight, then maybe that number goes up from, you know, a 700-yard you know uh, yard prediction because the offense, I think, will have more capabilities with a guy like Justin Fields in there as long as he's ready to go. Which would lead me
1: into my next one. I'll I'll kind of split the difference with you right there. Uh, Fields to start week six before or after. What do you think? I'm going before. I would
2: go before. I'm going to stand to this. I'm putting it at week four. My prediction is week four against the Detroit Lions. Justin Fields is your starting quarterback. If you're going to pick a spot to put him in, and if you – by all accounts, if you watch this guy, he's got it. He is a talented quarterback. He has maturity. You see him talking to receivers after something doesn't go right. He runs up to them and he tells them exactly what they need. You know, all due respect to Mr. Biscay, but he never really did that like that. You know, like, like a veteran does where he takes a receiver to the side and goes, look, man, I need yeah. you to – you know, I don't know exactly what he's saying, but you can see that he's explaining to them what he wants as the quarterback to get the ball in their hands. And so that shows me a maturity that you don't typically see from a rookie. You consider his IQ testing is off the charts. The school he came from, the national championships he's played in. You put all that together, and then you add in the fact that he has been showing out in, the, in training camp, and albeit with second-string guys. He's making a guy like John Veya Johnson – You know, somebody you keep hearing about. Well, there's a reason for that. It's because Justin Fields is delivering him the football. He doesn't have some Joe Schmo second string, you know, run-of-the-mill quarterback throwing to him. He has a good quarterback throwing to him. That's why he looks good. And so, you know, once Justin Fields is able to throw to Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, Marquise Goodwin, Cole Komet, Damian Williams, and David Montgomery in the backfield, now he's got the talent around him, which we have not We have not even seen that yet. So I think we're only scratching the surface as to what Justin Fields can do as the quarterback for the Bears. And obviously he has more mobility than an Andy Dalton, so he's going to be able to RPO and get that linebacker to freeze and throw over that linebacker's head to the tight end or the wide receiver in the seam. Those are some of the things that I think, you know, is going to expand the offense, and I think he's fully capable of doing it. And I just think they want to take their time – and teach him how to prepare as a professional, be ready for game day. I think they want him to – as much as we all want to see him week one against the Rams, I don't think it's going to happen. I think that they want to show him what it's like to prepare for the day of a football game on a Sunday, watch Andy Dalton go through those motions. And then once he sees all those things, and then they also – the other big key of this whole thing is once they get this offensive line figured out with all the injuries they've had to take in, then once they feel like it's a safe place to put him in, that's when you'll see him. So maybe that'll take a few weeks into the season. So then when you look at the schedule, you got the Rams week one on the road. That's not the spot he's coming in. Then uh, week two, it's the Bengals at home. Wouldn't that be a great story if he just played the started the home opener? Sure, awesome. but I think it's a little too early you know, in the game. I think, you know, just reading the tea leaves and watching the way they're handling him, he hasn't gotten any snaps with the first string. So when I consider that, I think week two is a little early. Week three, they're on the road against the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland is a much, you know, they're not the Cleveland Browns of old, you know, wow. so, you know, while the Cleveland Browns will always be the Cleveland Browns, maybe that's not the spot <laughs> you want to bring him in at. So now you're getting into the season. Well, the next week is Week Four at home against the Detroit Lions and Jared Goff, who the Bears have had success against. That's the spot I'm bringing them in at. I'm showing them how to become be a professional, play, you know, get ready on game day Sundays for three weeks into the season. Watch Andy Dalton get that offensive line right, get that run game going, and bring in your Ferrari of a quarterback to come in Week Four and and drive juice into this team. And, you know, because then after that, it's week five in Las Vegas. You're not going to bring him in for the Raiders on the road. That, that, that would be a crazy spot to bring him in, another hostile environment. There, I think they want to try to bring him in in the best situation possible. So if I had to look, I don't even want to look at the second half of the season because if that's when he comes in, I don't know. That would just disappoint me greatly. I mean, unless Andy Dalton's throwing four touchdowns a game. And even then, I feel like that's a little bit of a waste of time, as, as great as that might be. You know, unless Justin Fields is so raw that he's not ready, I want Justin Fields to be out there learning to become a great quarterback. Andy Dalton isn't the future of this franchise, regardless of how good or bad he Mm -hmm. plays. So it's about when is Justin ready? So I see a guy that should be ready sooner rather than later. So I'm not even looking past week six. I'm looking at week four against the Lions. I
0: would say Pace and Nagy are probably hoping you're right as well in terms of
2: their own job security. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, they also want to be careful, you know, because, right. you, know, the, you know, I mean, Pace wasn't – or Nagy wasn't around for when they rushed Mitch in when the Mike no. Glennon meltdown occurred. Oh, but, you know, just the, de- the development alone is what's going to save their job. They have to get this right no matter how they do it. Yep. So whatever our opinions are of when and what, where, none of that matters. What matters is the end game. And is just, does Justin Fields end up a great franchise quarterback for the Bears? However that shakes out, and, and I hate saying it, but if that means Andy Dalton has a career year and plays 17 games this year, I mean, I will be pissed. Even if the Bears win 12 games, I might be slightly irritated by that because I just <laughs> want to see Justin Fields. But at the end of the day, as long as in three years, Justin Fields is – the best quarterback we've ever seen, none of that will matter. So, you know, Bears fans have no patience, and I am definitely with everyone in that. So, you know, I want him as soon as possible. But all that matters at the end of the day is when it's all said and done, he's a great quarterback and not a guy that is just another, oh, man, we missed again. I don't feel like that's going to happen, but all that matters is that not happening.
0: I totally believe you too, you just based miss. on the fact that you, you've didn't, seen you didn't miss on him. Yeah, yeah,
1: just based on the fact you, that you've you, seen you got a boss. you got a dude. Oh yeah,
0: the fact that you've seen Trubisky in person and Fields in person, I it sounds like there's a big difference in what not just fans are expecting, but what you're seeing on the field, just based on what you've told us, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, I would say so. It's it's not hard to come to those conclusions just from his college resume alone. I mean, this is a guy that played in national championships. Is there a difference between Deshaun Watson and Mitchell Trubisky? Absolutely. He beat Alabama twice, you know. I, everybody knows me as the guy that was in Mitch's corner, but I, I was just as upset as any other Bears fan the night we drafted him. I wanted the Bears to draft the Deshaun Watson, the guy that had beaten Alabama twice on national TV. I'm not uh, keyed into every college team, so I didn't know who Mitchell Trubisky was. He won me over with his work ethic and his uh, – he did have – he had talent. He just never put it all together. As I said right. you know, on a, a previous podcast, a lot of stuff is about timing and – and, and living in the moment and luck, and, 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 and obviously talent rules the day, and he just didn't have enough of those variables come together for him, and that's why he's no longer here. But, you know, this time of year at camp, I mean, Mitch Trubisky would show talent out on the mm-hmm. practice field. He'd throw bombs to sure. Tanner Gentry, and yeah. then when he finally got on the first team with, in 2018, it was Tariq Cohen, Taylor Gabriel, Allen Robinson – It was an aerial assault. It was exciting. And for a guy like me, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, and I I think he's going to be a great franchise quarterback for this team for years to come. It didn't work out that way, and that's how fast things can turn in the NFL. Uh, So, Justin, it's no different. This is another young, fresh quarterback that throws well, carries himself well, looks the part, uh, you know, but yeah, it does feel like it's it's our turn. It does feel like this is right. You know, I mean, just being just like me, any other Bears fan was not happy with the pick. Well, find a Bears fan that's not happy with the Justin Fields pick. That that's kind of a tell. Bear, fans don't know everything, but when you can gauge it that way, where everyone is actually in agreement, that tells you mm-hmm. something. You know, nobody. My reactions to both picks. And how right nobody's split is. on this one you know how many times have we been split on the quarterback in Chicago whether it be Grossman or Orton or Cutler or McCown or Mitch you know or Nick Foles we're always split no one's split on on Justin Fields now you know if you want to be cynical about this he hasn't played a game yet so when right. the games start and reality hits and all the all the rose petals and 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 dreams of grandeur go away, and then you realize, oh yeah, they gotta execute. Mm-hmm. They got they gotta they gotta come through in those clutch moments. Then we're gonna find out. That's what I call money on the table time. Now, we got a much better chance of this guy executing in money on the table time because we've seen him do it in the national championship level. This is a high pedigree player that came out of high school top ranked. He's throwing t- six touchdown passes, going up against Trevor Lawrence, who is number one pick. So yeah, I mean, I'm him too. yeah, I'm exactly. Trevor Lawrence twice, Just exactly. Point that so you know, those are the reasons why you feel better about it. But do we have any real evidence on the professional level? Not yet, but we've seen enough little tidbits to know that we're on the right track. I mean, we're all going to get ahead of ourselves. We're fans, and we're Bears fans who are fanatical and crazy and eternal optimists until things start going sideways, and then we just start booing the hell out of everybody. But (laughs) at the start, we are always eternal optimists. So, you know, I mean, there's no reason to believe that this guy isn't going to break the quarterback curse that is the Chicago Bears, 100%. That's
1: good to hear. (laughs) As a Browns fan, I went down on the ship with the thinking Deshaun Kaiser was our savior. So I can relate to uh, buying all into uh, a quarterback. And I'm with you. I'm
2: a Notre Dame football fan. And the year we drafted Mitch, I wanted the Bears to draft Jamal Adams because we'd never had a safety since Mike Brown that had that kind of talent. And then get Deshaun Kaiser in the second round, who I couldn't believe fell to the second round because when I watched him at Notre Dame, I saw a guy that was pro-ready. Yeah. bombs away to, you know, uh, Golden Tate and all these big-time wide receivers. And so I thought he was going to have a great career in the NFL, and that didn't happen, And which is exactly why you should only take what I say as far as you should take. It. I won't say a grain of salt, but maybe, you know, a half a cup of salt because I don't, I don't know everything about the game. It's more of a, you know it when you see it and a feeling thing and, and just being a fan for my whole life. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I get them right, and sometimes I get them wrong. Got it wrong with Deshaun Kaiser. Got it wrong with Mitch. But I got it right with Devin Hester. I told anybody that would listen the yeah. day we drafted him. I said to my friend, and I can bring him on to prove it. And I quote: the day we drafted him, I said he would revolutionize the game of the NFL. And I was—that's as as money a prediction as I've ever money. had. And uh, and he's my, been my favorite player of all time, and he always will be. No one will ever suppress that. So I got that one right, so I'll, I'll hang okay. that one on my head. But, you know, it's hard to It's hard as a fan to predict how players are going to do because we're biased. I mean, that's just how it goes. And once they yep. get on our squad, we want to dream of the best-case scenario, and mm-hmm. it doesn't work that way in sports. Just ride the ship all the ways.
1: no thousand no percent. Go down on with the ship. With the ship. <laughs> yep. We're riding it the whole way.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So hopping on Lakeshore drive and taking it up a little bit north of downtown Chicago, we get to a place where it's not as fun as it has been in recent times. Um, That being said, that's the Chicago Cubs. Um, It's, it's still sad. It's still on my heart a little bit. I've gotten over (laughs) it. I've, I've grown. I've looked at the young guys that we've got coming back, but I know, Scott was asking me, like, he was seeing pictures because, you know, Cesar Hernandez going over the White Sox. I think he wanted to ask you about something.
1: Yeah, there is a, there's, like, this tradition, and I, I've seen it on, on Twitter. Um, I've seen it in the stands. Um, the Cubs like to fly this fly the W all the time. Right. But I've also, I've also seen, like, this, this white flag blown that has an L on it. And I just need to know more, like, what is so Trying to get me fired up marvin. here,
2: Scott, huh? <laughs> trying to get me fired up here. I mean, if you've been following my social media lately, I can get real fired up about that freaking L flag. Because first off, it's not a it, – so the history behind the W and the L flag, which a lot of fans don't realize because they think it's just pompous Cub fans, fly the W, which was the famous slogan of the 2016 Cubs. Yep. The Cubs have always flown the W and actually flown an L flag at the top of their scoreboard at Wrigley Field That's for decades, them, since yep. the 40s, the 50s, since way before any of us were born. And the reason they did that was to alert the, the people of the Wrigleyville neighborhood whether the Cubs won or lost that day because you didn't have Twitter in 1943. So how did the people that were walking around outside of Wrigley know if the Cubs won won or lost that day? You'd look up at the scoreboard and see which flag was flying. Now, Scott, you see a lot of Sox fans and Reds fans and Brewers fans, but it started with the stupid Sox fans waving this L flag. And a lot of time you see it with the white and then an L blue, but that's actually the incorrect color. The flag the Cubs fly is actually Mm -hmm. all blue with a white L. So, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Sox fans can't even do that right when they're trolling the, trolling the Cubs fans. They want to bring an L flag and not even get the correct color. Not to mention they're paying money for merchandise that has nothing to do with their team and only strictly to do with trolling the Cubs. But, you know, to me, it is a silly thing. You know, it's, it's all fun and games. I mean, I, I get fired up about it but it's always been uh, a crux for me because I can't stand it because you know we 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 don't just fly the W we fly the L so for so for you know fans to troll us on it it's like okay we do fly the L we're not ashamed when we lose that's we, we fly it just the same as we we'll fly the W so you know have your fun but when when it comes to Chicago sports and the cubs and the Sox there's always been this Uh, rivalry between the fans because the Sox fans feel they're not paid attention to as much locally or nationally. And the Cubs get all the, you know, all the fans and all the, all the tourists come to the the Wrigley Field historic baseball stadium and nobody cares about the Sox. And, you know, there's this, you know, uh, saying that a lot of Cubs fans and they call Sox fans, the little brother and I'm sorry, you know, Little brother could be harsh and Sox fans get mad about it. Yeah. But, you know, a little brother mentality, you know, does if anybody – I didn't have an older brother. But when you are the little brother, you don't feel appreciated. You're always trying to, you know, perk your head up like, hey, look at me. Look at me. You're, you're not – you don't care about me as much. You only care about the big brother. And to me, if you're a Sox fan flying an L flag, Scott, that is embodying what a little brother would do. I mean, you're, if your first instinct as a fan when you're going to watch your team play and they win, if your first instinct is to cheer that the other team lost, your priorities are out of whack. When the Cubs, If the Cubs and Sox played tomorrow and the Cubs won, I'm not flying an L flag that's black and white to make fun of them. I'm singing Go Cubs Go because I'm excited that the Cubs yeah. won. And then after that, I will mess with a Sox fan that I beat you. But my first – if your first instinct is to hold up the L flag, then you don't care as much – you're more concerned about the outcome of what the Cubs did than what the Sox did. And now the Sox have entered this fray of becoming a big-time team that potentially could win a World Series. And if I was a Sox fan, I'd be putting the L flag in the drawer – I'm a, I'd be above it. I'd be like, no, I'm above this now. The Sox, or the Cubs, the lowly Cubs are down here. They're small potatoes. We're the big-time dogs in this city, mm-hmm. and I, I'm not even worried about what the Cubs are up to. I pity them. They're nobody. And instead, we still got this silly rivalry. And as we said off earlier, all you need to know is the Cubs fans, their rival are the Cardinals. For Sox and their fans – Their rival is the Cubs. We're not the same. We do not care as much. You are not our rival, Sox fans. Our rival is within our division. Your rival is us because you can't get over the fact that people like the Cubs more. Let's just lay it out. Let's lay our cards on the table and call it for what it is. They get Mm -hmm. mad when ESPN references all the championships and they leave the Sox one out. They get yep. mad because the Cubs are always on national TV and they aren't. They get yep. mad. It's just constant. It's like, okay, guys, we get it, but also nobody cares. So, you know, I, I have fun with it. I took pictures with Sox fans that had their L flag at the game and we were all joking around. But I will always hold to that if you're going to wave the L flag, you're you're kind of embodying the little brother syndrome that we, you know, kind of accuse Sox fans of having, and that spilled into the Brewers and Reds fans also flying the L flag. And if I'm a Sox fan, I'm not trying to keep company with small market minded teams like the Brewers and the Reds fans. I want to be a. If you want to be a big market team and a big market fan base, act like it, you know, and yep. and, and worry about your own business, as Kenny Williams once said. We'll stay out of White Sox business. We'll stay out of Cubs business. How does that sound, Sox fans? Yeah, and we can always
1: remind uh, White Sox fans that no matter what they do, they traded Fernando Tatis Jr. for James Shields in, like, a 5.6 ERA. (laughs) Well, we've given them a few
2: players here lately. They they Mm -hmm. like to say the thanks, Cubs, for the Eloy trade, which they certainly seem like they won, obviously, because Eloy has immense talent, knocking the ball out of the yard all day, and now they've got Craig Kimbrell. But – you know you know for some of the younger fans they may not realize but you know they once traded uh george uh, sammy sosa over to the north side for george bell so you know uh sammy sosa is the reason i'm a diehard cub fan you know uh steroid indictments aside uh you know he's a guy that you know is was one of my childhood heroes and uh you know home run king here in the city of chicago so you know, they gave us Sammy. We gave him Eloy. We'll see if we'll see if Eloy can hit 600, but he he's gonna have to do it off the juice. Sorry, those are the breaks. <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, but I mean, hey, I, I think it it worked out in the end to get that ring in 2016. So yeah, until, uh, exactly. Uh, and, you and know, people make
2: fun of this C- Cubs collapse, but the Cubs ultimately won the World Series. They slayed the biggest sports dragon that was left, and that was the 108 year drought the Chicago Cubs winning a World Series, and they got that done, and I don't take that lightly, or and I don't take that for granted, and I, you know, yeah, you can get greedy and wish they won two or three, like they maybe could have or should have, I think should have is a little strong of a word, but definitely could have, and is that disappointing? Sure, but not as great as the fact that they actually won the World Series, and you know, for fans, beggars can't be choosers, we waited a long time for that. In 2003, I was in the stands when the Cubs lost Game 7 of the NLCS to the Florida Marlins, the game after the Bartman game. And I watched a 90-some-old-year-old lady crying her eyes out. And I can almost guarantee that lady did not see the Cubs win the World Series in 2016. So to put that into perspective, we got to experience that. And there's a lot of fans out there, 108 years that's generations of Cubs fans that never got to see their team. Could you imagine going your whole life being a diehard fan and never seeing them win the championship? Could you imagine as a Bears fan or a Browns fan going your entire night? Maybe we we stay up late at night worrying about this very thing, but yeah. imagine getting all the way to the age of 84 and your team still hasn't won one, and you've invested so much time into dreaming of that moment and it never, ha- never happened. You'd go to your mm-hmm. deathbed without it happening. I mean, that's something I wish upon no fan. I don't care if it's the Sox or the card, the biggest rival you can give, the Packers. I don't care. I wish that upon no fan because, as I said, I'll never forget that lady crying in the stands in 2003. I don't want to be that person. So I need the Bears to win one. I saw the Bulls win six. I got to see Michael Jeffrey Jordan, the greatest athlete, competitor, player in any sport of any level, period, end of discussion. I'm honored to say I got to watch him play live and on on TV every day in the 90s of my childhood. Got to see the Cubs win one. So now I'm waiting on my Chicago Bears. So, you know, that's what it's all about as sports fans, dreaming for that end game and and being able to – to reap the benefits of a championship season and, and wearing that proudly when, when they finally do. And banners
1: fly forever.
2: They it's, do. It's That's incredible. right.
1: We, we talk about 2016 all the time, mm-hmm. me and Ben going back and forth with world series. And then, you know, my Cavs won the title in the summer um, is just like two special things. And, you know, the Indians couldn't close it out, but um, you know, 2016, if we're going to lose a world series, I'd rather lose it to the Cubs because you know as a fan base you guys have done enough time uh suffering so you know since we lost it 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 didn't sting as much as it could have uh, if it was someone else, but thank God the Cubs got it instead of someone uh fan base that wouldn't have deserved it or appreciated it
2: as exactly as I mean certainly it's not easy when you, you know, those are two teams in a long drought, so. Cleveland still got to wait on theirs, you know, not easy, you know, but that's what sports are all about. And the Cubs barely won it. I mean, when you consider the fact that that. the Atlanta Braves went to the playoffs, like 15 straight years dominated their division, they only won one, you know, it's not easy, you know? And so for the White Sox, you know, maybe they win theirs because sometimes when it's your year, it's your year. And it certainly feels like that could be the case for them. But if they don't, then they got to start the whole journey back over again. And it's right. not easy to climb that mountain. It takes a lot of effort, a lot of mental fortitude. And uh, so we'll see how it all breaks down. certainly feels like it's their year, but doesn't guarantee you anything. And the Cubs, it was their year in 2016, and they barely won it by the skin of their teeth. You know, and uh, when um, when um, Ralph, uh I, I still Rajai, remember that. Rajay Davis hit that home run. It wow. brought me to my knees. I mean, it was the scariest moment I've ever had as a Chicago sports fan. Uh, that pit in my stomach. I'll never forget what that feeling was like. Yep. Um. And and for the Cubs, it was fitting because all the trials and tribulations they had been through, the curses, the That's Bartman, the curse the Billy Goats. It was literally their last test to pass. and, And they did it. And I thought I would be elated and and go crazy and rip my shirt off and spray champagne. But when Rajay Davis hit that home run and we barely won, I was just relieved that they didn't blow it. That was honestly my feeling when the final out hit. Because the Indians were even making a comeback in the extra innings. They got a few guys on base. They scored a run. Had we not gotten a few insurance runs, they might have blown that. And um, so for me, when they won it, it wasn't – going crazy i literally was just i put my hands on my face and i was just so relieved that they did it and that was it and i didn't have to worry about it ever again and then you get a whole year of bragging rights and that's kind of more fun than going through the stress of winning a championship so you know uh that's what it's all about though i wouldn't trade it for the world i love sports and um those moments I'll cherish forever, you know. That's right. what I got to go to game five of the World Series. I was just lucky to enough to be in the bleachers know. for that game. I, I my biggest regret is not buying a seven hundred dollar standing room only ticket to game seven when they were available a few hours before the game. Yeah. But I just couldn't I couldn't dig up the courage to drive all the way to Cleveland, spend seven hundred dollars on a ticket and just risk seeing them lose. And that was honestly – it's a coward. It was the coward's way out, but I chose to watch it with my mom, who raised me as the sports fan that I am today, went to a lot of games with my mom. So my consolation prize of not going to the game, which is what I'm all about is being at the game, was Mm -hmm. to be with my family and my friends and and watch them win the World Series. So I'll take that consolation prize all day long. But I was at game five, so I got to see them win – their only game at Wrigley Field in a World Series in 100 years, so uh, 108 years, whatever you want to say. So I'm proud. I'm proud of that. I, I still have that ticket uh, somewhere over here, and uh, I'm very proud to have that in my possession. I was about to uh, ask had a few, you about many that. drinks that day. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair. So talking about
0: Game Five, um, I didn't get the chance to go to a World Series game. I saw them close it out against the Dodgers at home, obviously game six, the NLCS in your, in the many times that you've been to Wrigley field, what, where would you rank how loud Wrigley was when Chris Bryant hit that home run?
2: Uh, certainly up there. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, I think fans at that point were down three, one in the series. We're almost going to lose that game. So it didn't feel like, okay, this is our moment now. That was just right. Like it sucks looking back in retrospect, like, dang, that's, that's what sparked it. That was step one of fifteen steps they needed to take to right. come back from three-one. So you know, it was almost like, as a fan that's like focused on winning the World Series, if they're going to pull this off, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It was like, all right, there's step one. Let's go, let's go, guys. We got our we yep. we, we finally got a hit because it felt like they couldn't get a hit that <laughs> whole game, and then Bryant broke it open. Um, but for me, it's really Game Six of the NLCS against the Dodgers that year. If you want to talk about an electricity I've never felt before at Wrigley Field or the top game I've ever been to, it was beating Clayton Kershaw in game six in the NLCS to go to the World Series because uh, a lot of people don't realize, but the curse of the Billy Goat for the Cubs was to make the World Series. The curse that they put on us was that we would never even get to the World Series. So like when Bartman happened, that was fulfilling – that curse because when we it's not about being in the world series and losing. We're never even going to get there get was there. what all the story went with not yep. letting the Billy goat in and, and, and the rest is history. So mm-hmm. the curse was actually broken, not when they won the world series, but when they, when they, got there. when they won the NLCS. So I got to see the curse broken and not only did they yep. break the curse, but they beat the brakes off one of the best, pitchers in MLB history Clayton Kershaw and the whole game was electric because they had it in the bag the entire time they they you know we're chanting Kershaw that was the Kershaw getting in moment. his head we're yeah. getting uh, Anthony Rizzo hit a homer Wilson Contreras hit a homer uh, and then a lot of people don't realize but they had 27 up and 27 down in that game it wasn't a perfect game yeah. but they had a few double plays on the Kyle couple hits was that a light, Kyle man. Hendricks gave up. It was the pitching performance of a lifetime. Uh, it was literally a perfect game. If you want to talk about That's the way the to draw up break breaking the curse, it was perfect. And so for me, it was that moment actually that I would pinpoint in the journey to winning the world series. That was an electricity. Like I've never felt before.
1: Yeah.
0: Greg, I don't know if you remember, I believe it was, because that was the first game back in Chicago because we did the three games in L.A. I don't know if you remember, but that was like, I think Adrian Gonzalez said something to the media about Wrigley Field not being loud enough during their first two games. So, of course, in true Chicago form, we let them hear it.
2: Well, and that was because the first two games, the ticket prices were like thousands of dollars a piece. Like, for instance, I wanted to go to the first two games. Obviously, I wanted to be at the first game for – for, at oh, Wrigley Field crazy. for the World Series game three. Yeah. But the bleacher tickets were like $3,000 a piece. Oh. Well, when they went down 3-1, me and my buddy got a ticket for $450 a piece. Well, guess oh, what? Oh. Then the Yahoo's like me, the true fans, the ones that are in the bleachers for every game, got I'll go to there. the bleachers again this year, and I'll probably spend $6 to get in now. Yep. Well, I can afford four, <laughs> I, you know, – I'm lucky enough to be able to afford a $450 World Series ticket as opposed mm-hmm. to a $3,000 one. So you, yep. I'm not saying that the other fans that were there weren't the real true fans, but I am right. kind of saying that. And you got to have an opportunity for the fans that truly live and breathe and bleed this team and pay the real money, and they're not uh, corporate money sitting in the stands. It's fans' money in the stands. Yep. That's why you felt a different energy that night. And that was it was incredible. That was a night that I'll never
0: forget. I know we talked about this night with the – the 2016 NLCS game six. We talked about it when we talked to Andrew Bellison a few weeks, a few months back. And that was, I got to see it with my dad. It's something that I will
1: never forget really.
2: Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it'll, um, always hold a special place in my heart. No matter how many more world series they win, nothing will ever be like the 2016 Cubs.
0: No, I don't think so. I know the future does look bright. It sucks. It absolutely sucks that we've lost three of those guys. I know I'm, I feel bad. I feel like I'm talking about them like they're dead, but no, they're just gone. <laughs> they're just on different <laughs> He's teams. <created>. He's gone. <laughs> I mean, the way that I reacted when it first happened, it felt like they just died. Like, damn. But hey, I, Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, Chris Bryant, I hope they have great rest of their careers, wherever they're it is. Sure. I'll never forget what they did for the team. They had a huge impact on my life. They made being a fan way more fun. Obviously, it's fun when your team wins the World Series, but you know, they, we did a lot of enduring up leading up to that. Not a lot of people joined the bandwagon until '15. You know, if you remember the dark sure. times after Derek Lee, Aramis Ramirez, Alfonso yeah. Soriano, when we're losing hundred games a year, that sucked, man. Yeah, that was terrible. So
1: it
2: just
0: we are in our stripes.
1: He he raked. I I really like Derek Lee, and I'm not even a Cubs fan, but, man, that that
2: dude could hit, hit the ball. He didn't hit it a lot, but, like, when he did, it went far. Well, he was one of the guys that ripped our hearts out with the 2003 Marlins you know when we blew yep, it yep. in the NLCS, so I always liked Derek Lee, but it was hard to ever forgive him for some of those <laughs> no, du- doubles, o- doubles <laughs> over the second baseman's head that ripped our hearts out once upon a time. But all is forgotten in 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 since the Cubs slayed the dragon. So, you know, but that's what it's all about, boys. It really is. This it's just it's how sports go. You ride the highs, you ride the lows,
0: you just stick
1: with your team. That's how, that's how sports
0: works.
2: Hundred percent.
1: All right. Well. Gotta stick through 0 and sixteen if you wanna go on a you wanna go on a Super Bowl run one day. You know what I mean? Makes it that's so right. much more valuable. Absolutely.
2: You'll get yours one day as a Browns fan. I you know, you'll get it's it. Com- you just gotta stay patient.
1: Yeah. Defense looks good. But hey, I think that's gonna window be- might be open.
2: Yeah. Might be open.
1: So we got to get that uh Bears-Browns World Series talk. Or What's your guys' bet for that?
2: What's your guys' bet for the Bears-Browns game? You guys got any a, kind of side uh, bet going here?
1: We're actually going to be traveling up there to Cleveland for mm-hmm. it together. Um, it's actually a Chicago weekend. The White Sox play the Indians, and then oh, okay. uh, Bears-Cubs, and we got to um, – bears Bears, 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 browns Browns. uh we actually got a hotel room downtown right next to the stadium um so we're gonna be like downtown cleveland from uh friday to uh monday um Mm -hmm. so we haven't developed a bet but we're gonna be there live in person for the game uh if the score gets a little ugly ben might have a
0: I might have a a little bit too much to drink that day if the score gets out of hand. (laughs) It sucks because that's week three, and if we're going to have Andy Dalton, I might need a few drinks. So, (laughs) hey, we'll see. Positive vibes
2: only. Well, you guys have fun, man. That'll be a lot of fun and look forward to you guys' coverage. I appreciate you guys having me on tonight, man. Anytime you guys want me to, to come on, I'll be happy to chop it up with you. Especially, Especially, you know, uh, being a region fellow region rat, we always got each other's
0: backs. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Greg, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, folks, if you get a chance, go look up Rags in the Stands on Facebook, on Twitter. You've got great content. If you're a Bears fan, even better. We talked about this at the beginning. That's where you're going to find all your Justin Fields plug until we get to preseason here in a couple weeks where we're going to get to see some games. Yes, it's sir. It's going to be solid. So... Like us, share us, subscribe, give us those five stars, and we'll see you guys next time. Bear down. Bear down, baby.